You know, you know, the Bible says that God's thoughts towards us outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. You know, God is always thinking good thoughts towards us. Always. In Jeremiah, he says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. They're thoughts of peace and for a future and for a hope. And, you know, we have an amazing God. We have an amazing God. God is always wanting to speak to us. He's always wanting to encourage us. He's never out to, to condemn us, never out to, to put us down. And He's just always out to uplift us. You know, when, when we have thoughts of failure and condemnation, now that's the enemy. The accuser comes in to pull down, to come in, comes in to rob, uh, you know, and just the things in our own heart. And, you know, these, who knows, these heaps of changes going on in the church. And, uh, you know, during these changes, the enemy has come to me and he's, he's just attacked me right in my belief pattern and my th- what I've thought about myself, my thoughts about myself. And I remember one night I was lying in bed and it was like all these negative thoughts came, all, all my weaknesses were magnified. And I was like, you're no good at this, you're no good at that. You know? And it was so real. I actually thought it was God for a second. I was lying there thinking it was, just, it was like God just pointing out these weaknesses until all of a sudden I realized actually no, God wouldn't do that God wouldn't do that but the accuser comes to point out and magnify your weaknesses and this is the season we're in and you know there's always a bit of truth to that when the devil accuses he's always a little bit of truth but we have a God who loves us who just desires the very best in our life amen tonight's message I've called where is our heart toward the lost we, 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 we're, on, we're all about hearts at the moment and it's a good thing because out of, out of, out of your hearts, brother, uh, pour forth the wellsprings of life. It's all out of our hearts. So I've called tonight's message, Where is Our Heart Toward the Lost? And, um, you know, with all the changes that God's doing in the church right now, it's mainly for two reasons. One, to draw us closer to Him. And two, so that we can reach to the lost people of the city and region and nation. God's primarily focus is on our relationship with Him and then us turning and reaching out to the lost. You know, the Bible says in Luke 19.10 that um, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You know, that's our mandate as well. God's, God sent us to come and seek and to save that which is lost. And that word lost and that translation, translation there means reclaiming people from wickedness. Reclaiming people from wickedness. You know, God's in the business of reclaiming people. He's in the business of reclaiming this city. You know, he's here to destroy the devil's works. And, uh, you know, the devil's had a field day here. And, uh, you know, before I got saved, I was a lost person in wickedness. The devil had had its fair share in my life. I got saved at 26. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, he came in and pulled me out of the stuff that I was involved in. And I'm so just internally thankful to God. And, you uh, You'd have no idea the things I used to get into because people see you when you're saved and you think you've kind of always been like that. So it's a shock to people when you actually share the life you led because they just because God can get in there and transform your life and transform your heart and open up doorways that you could never imagine. But, you know, for, for myself and for Sharon, we just, you know, lived a destructive life. But by the grace of God, he came in and he destroyed the devil's work around our life and he reclaimed us from the wickedness that we're in. And you know what? But that gives... Uh, that kind of stuff gives us a heart for the lost people there is a lost city and region around us that desperately need the love of Christ and uh, this morning I'm going to speak out of Jonah now you know it's quite funny really because when I first got the roster that I was speaking that I was going to be preaching I was talking to Sharon I said oh I wonder what I preach on and she said oh 
when you preach on Jonah. So it was in my heart to preach on Jonah. And then last Sunday morning, Ian preached on Jonah. And then Sunday night, Sergeant preached on Jonah. But, you know, there's so much in Jonah to pull out. And uh, so I'm going to preach. You know, the Bible is really just about people and their weaknesses and strengths. And then God's true character and how he deals with those strengths and weaknesses. I love that scripture that says, let every man be a liar, but God be true. And through the whole Bible, God just reveals his truth and his character and, uh, and, and, and just how he deals with people's weaknesses. But anyway, in the book of Jonah, if you want to turn to the book of Jonah, in chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, just some background on Nineveh. Nineveh was a, was a massive city for its day. It was a huge city. It had about 120,000 population, so that's about Hastings and Napier. It was a Gentile city. There were no Jews there. They, they were into idol worship. Uh, the whole city was dedicated to a goddess of war. And it was, so it was a violent and brutal nation. And, uh, and, uh, but God, see, it stirred God to act. It stirred God to act. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry it against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. You see, the wicked, wickedness that rises up it makes God, it stirs God to action. It stirs God to action. And, and on the one hand, there's judgment. On the other hand, there's mercy. And uh, so God, would st- something had to be done. Nineveh was brutal. It was violent. It was out of control. God had to do something. And, uh, but you know, the Bible says that mercy always triumphs over judgment. Always. All through the Bible, you'll see with God, mercy will always triumph over judgment. And, you know, the whole world um, was, the whole world's wickedness cried out to God. And God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago to die for us. That God was stirred to do that. He was stirred to do that, that He sent His Son because of the wickedness of the planet, the wickedness of every nation, that God sent His beloved Son, that He would die and suffer and perish so that we would come to know Him. That is the mercy of God. That is just tremendous. You know, when you get hold of that, what, what God did, what He chose to do, He was just stirred to action. And, uh, you know... But I believe, you know, as a church, we need to arise. That this is actually a word of God for us. This is a word of God for us. God wants us to touch our region. You know, but the, the wickedness of this region, of Hastings and Napier, has risen up before God. Well, you know, God stirred, he stirred for us to begin to have an impact. And I, I just want to name some issues that are going on in this region. You know, we have violent gangs in Napier and Hastings. We have, we have one of the highest domestic violence rates in the country, one of the highest suicide rates. There's new age, there's a cult, there's idol worship, there's, there's a mosque that's opened up, there's these uh, um, cult churches. But you know, God's word is that he wants to reclaim the lost people of the city. So God sees the wickedness that's in our city. He sees the wickedness that's in our region. But God's desire is that we stand up and we go out and we begin to reach people. And... Uh, you know, the Bible says in Romans 5.20 that where sin abounds, God abounds much more. So although God sees the sin, He sees the, the violence, He sees the, the, the sexual misconduct, the drunkenness, He sees it all. God sees through that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And we need to get hold of God's grace and begin to really have an impact in our nation, I mean, in our, in our region. And uh, we've already been told in Mark 16.15, it says, Go, go go and preach the gospel to every creature. We've actually, we've got a mandate from God and uh, to go out into our cities, our neighbors, 
out into the schools and our workplace and begin to have an impact, begin to, begin to have, a, have a heart that wants to share, the lo- uh, share with the lost. And, uh, you know, I mean, over the last six months, one of my guys uh, that works for me, I run orchards, and uh, one, of my, one of the guys that works for me rung me up. It was actually just before Christmas. And he was in a dilemma. His, his, his wife, was his, his partner, was losing it in the home. And he was losing it. And he rang me up at night and said, can you come around? So this is just one of my workers. He'd been, he'd been working with me for five years. And I went around there and she was an ex-P addict. And, uh, and, and he's not on P, but he wasn't much better in the stuff that he was getting involved in. And I worked in there and it was just demonic. It was a horrible scene. And, uh, but, you know, he had rung me to come in and help because he knew I could have something that could, you know, help them out. So I came and I talked with them and she was in tears and, you know, I just said, right, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray in this home and we're going to change the atmosphere. So, you know, for about five or six minutes, I just stood up and I just prayed in tongues. I prayed and the atmosphere just began to change, began to change. And then there was a breakthrough and the presence of God came and I, I turned around and she was just in tears and he was touched. And this is what, this is what it does bring the presence of God into people's lives you know they're not saved yet but they encountered the presence of God and it's just being available to go in and minister and share with these people uh, my foreman at work he's been with me for about seven years you know a couple of years ago he um, he did something really really stupid at a work at a work do really really stupid and uh, I was rung up in the middle of the night and and uh, told what he was done and anyway then, long story short the next morning I had to go to the sales to pick him up and um, he was just full of shame about what had happened and it could have got him fired like that if I'd, if I'd actually I decided to keep it in house but if I'd actually gone outside and shared it with my boss he would have got sacked but that was the decision I had to make and I went and picked him up from the police station and he had his head down and he was just total shame over him about what had happened and I took him back to work and I, I, I cooked him a feed at work and and just, just really just loved him through it, even though he had failed miserably. I just loved him through it. And then I took him home and gave him a couple of days off work. And, and then I think that night or the next night, Sharon and I were able to go around to his place and pray with him and his partner. And he, and, and he said to me, he said, you know, he said, I'm at the lowest point ever. And, uh, but we were just able to go in there and minister and pray. And Sharon was able to write, write a card and just speak words. And, uh, and that's, this is what we need to do. We need to be available for broken people. We don't have to get them saved immediately, but we need to be available. We need to be prepared to go there and not be ashamed of the gospel, not be ashamed of praying, not be ashamed of, you know, of sharing about Christ, but just being there for people. And, uh, you know, those two men are still with me. We still have opportunities where, where the gospel gets preached and talked about. And, you know, deep down, they know it's the truth. They're both not ready to make that move yet, you know, but one day they will. One day they will. But, you know, all of us can reach out to our school friends, our work friends, our neighbours. You know, there's no one else that can, that can do your job and your sphere of influence to people right now. Where God has you, you, have the, you can have the most impact in your world and the people around you right now. Will you go? Will you go? Will you be available to go? And verse 3, it says, but, Joseph, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with it to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Isn't it amazing here that, um, it, I mean, Jonah just totally disobeyed God. 
totally just obeyed God. It's like God says, I want you to go to Napier, and you just turn around and go to Wellington. It was an absolute disobedience. But isn't it interesting how, how Jonah was prepared to pay the price to disobey God, but he wasn't prepared to pay the price to obey God. And the Bible says he went down to Joppa and then went down to the bottom of the boat. You know, when you, when you disobey God, things start going down in your life. When you, when you run from God and you disobey God, you know, you begin to lose joy. You can be, depression can come around you. You actually become low when you disobey God and you know you're disobeying God. And, uh, you know, you can't hide from God. And, uh, you know, I wonder how many here are like Jonah. I wonder how many here are feeling the call to go, the call to share. And, uh, but they're just, they're just not willing to step out or these areas in their heart that they still believe in and they're not ready to step out and we're going to touch on those areas. So anyway, we know the story about Jonah. He went down to the boat and then there was a great storm and they, they finally found Jonah asleep at the bottom of the boat and they ended up chucking him over and he got swallowed by the fish. So, I mean, you can't run away from God. Eventually, God will get you. God will get you. So Jonah tried to go as far away from God as he could, but God got hold of him in the end. And, uh, you know, but maybe... Maybe for you, maybe for you it's fear. Maybe, maybe the thing in your heart that's holding you back from stepping out and to sharing the gospel or sharing your life with other people is fear. Maybe it's fear. You know, the, 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 the word fear literally means this, an unpleasant emotion, uh, a, a, an unpleasant emotion caused by danger. An unpleasant emotion caused by danger. So it's like people feel danger. They've got to share the gospel and, and, and an unpleasant emotion comes up that, oh, what will happen? What will happen if I share the Bible? What will happen if I share the gospel? What will happen if I be true? You know, 1 Timothy 1 7 says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And, you know, a, a spirit of power, that's God's ability to do what we can't normally do. We have God's ability to step out and to share, to step out and be available. His, you know, the spirit of love. Um, we, we can step out in the, in, the, in the spirit of love and God's love. We can't do it in our own love. I mean, I, I, I love reaching out to the lost, people that are unsaved. I love, I feel for where they're at. My, my total desire is that they come to know Christ. But, you know, I can do that because of what God has loved me and I can turn around and love people and want to see them saved. That's why I do it, because of the tremendous work that Christ has done in my life. Spirit of a sound mind. You know, we can be confident we can be secure in the fact that what we're sharing is the truth. What we're sharing has power to break demonic influences off their life. What, it has the power to actually set people free and get them saved and bring them into an encounter of Jesus Christ. We need to, be, we need to, to know that. You know, 1 Timothy 1.7 is a great scripture to memorize and declare over your life. I haven't got the spirit. I've got the spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind over my life. You know, maybe it's the fear of being rejected. You know, rejection is a key, key thing. It's a key um, stumbling block in people's hearts of being rejected. The fear of being rejected. What will I say? What will I, you know, what if they don't accept what I'm going to say? Well, the reality is some people won't. Some people won't. In Luke 10, 16, it says this, He who hears you, hears me. And he who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. You see, Jesus is with us when we share with people. He's with us when people reject us. And we, we just need to know that. We're just going to step out. And I, I'm not going to let the fear of being rejected stop me from sharing 
the gospel. I'm not going to let the fear of being rejected stop me from pushing out and reaching out and touching this person. And You know, my wife Sharon, she's having tremendous impact right now in Havelock North. And uh, just, by, by, just by stepping out, she's going into suburbs, she's knocking on doors, she's giving out food parcels, and a boldness has come around her. And you know what? There's been ones that have just said, no, we're not interested, but there's been others that have opened the door and she's gone in and she's prayed, she's seen, she's seen healings, she's seen salvations, just because she said, I'll go. I'll push through being rejected and I'll go. Amen. I'm getting jealous. I've actually got to go with her. I've got to go with her. And, um, and shame. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people are shamed. You know, they're ashamed of the gospel. Or they're, they, they feel like they'll be shamed if their friends know or they, um, if, they, if they reach out and that somehow they'll be shamed. You know, Jesus Christ has taken our shame. Jesus Christ has taken the shame and he's nailed it to the cross. You know, the Bible says that uh, in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, you know, we need not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God that can break into these people's lives. You know, if I was ashamed or embarrassed, I wouldn't have gone to my worker's place and stood there in prayer in the gap and broken the, that demonic stuff that was around his home and seen the presence of God come. I just wouldn't have, I just thought, nah, they've asked me to come. I'm just going to be bold and go around there. And man, that atmosphere shifted. It shifted, you know. God can, God's presence can come in an ungodly home big time. You know, when people are on drugs, this, this particular person had opened himself up to something on the computer that had opened a door up and his, his wife was back on, his partner was back on. It was just a horrible scene. But you know what? That's exactly the place that God gravitates to. It's exactly the place where God wants you to go. If that's what you're, if that opens up for you, he doesn't care whether it's there or whether it's in a wealthy person's place or whether it's, you know, he, he just wants to pour his presence out and touch lost people. It's God's heart to, lose, to just to touch people. You know, one of the biggest fears that I, that, that I believe is around people is the fear of man. And uh, they're all kind of tied up, but the fear of man is a huge one. And a few years ago, a couple of us in here did kind of an, kind of a, a, an evangelistic course. We would go around to the cell groups and take people on a course. And we found this was the number one, the number one issue that people had. And it was the fear of what people would think. And... Um, and without fail, that, this was number one. And in Proverbs twenty nine twenty five, it says, "The fear of man brings the fear of man brings a sneer, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe." The fear of man brings a sneer. The fear of man brings a sneer. You know that sneer is like a, um, another way of that sneer is like a hook in the nose. It's like you know. Like, Pigs love rooting in the ground, but if you put a ring in their nose, they can't do it properly. And so, so the fear of man is like a sneer, you know. What, what, you, what God's calling you to do, you just can't do it properly because there's a, there's a trap, there's a snare. It's like a, a, another meaning for it is like a noose for the neck. It's like you're trying to do something, but you've got a noose for your neck. That's what the fear of man does as we try and step out. Why don't we just read on to Jonah in Jonah 3. Jonah 3 verse 2. So God had dealt with Jonah. He'd been in the belly of the fish. He'd come to repentance. He'd realized, oh, I've, I've disobeyed you, God. I'm coming, coming back on board now. 
So Jonah 3 verse 2, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter that city on the first day, walk, first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And verse 5 says, So the people of Nineveh believed God. The people of Nineveh believed God. I mean, now, this is, this is amazing. You know, actually, God had gone, God had prepared their heart. And this is the thing we need to get hold of is that when, God, when you know God's calling you to share with people, when, he, when you know God's calling you, you don't know what God's done in the background. You don't know what work, what prayer's gone in for that person. You know, you're just, you're just a part of that person's salvation or a part. And often we don't get to lead the person to the Lord, but, but we're just a little part in that person's salvation. And so Nineveh believed immediately. They believed. So I believe God had done it, already done it, prepared, done a work in God's heart. But it wasn't until Jonah stepped out and began to preach the word of God that it all started to come together. So this is the amazing thing. The people of Nineveh believed. And, and, and you know what I mean? That's, this is amazing. I want you to get hold of this. There's 120,000 people saved in a day. Now, on the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000 added. Here, 120,000 people saved in the day this is this is revival this is big deal stuff this is big deal so you got this massive city Hastings Napier violent brutal every kind of corruptible sin going on and they get they get preached to by a prophet and they all get saved so this is a big deal this is a historic event for Jonah it's huge and uh, I mean you imagine Hastings and Napier getting you imagine that kind of deal if, if, if Hastings and Napier came to the Lord in a day or in a couple of days, you just imagine the outcry, you imagine the TV cameras, it would hit world news if this region got saved and all went on fire for God. It would, ha- it would have to hit, it would be global news that many people in a day. So don't, don't lose the fact that this is a big deal. Nineveh getting saved, 120,000 people. Over in verse 10, we read, Then God saw their works, that they turned from the evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. You know, God, like we, we talked about before, mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, today there's no, there's no judgment over the city. There's no, God's not going to come and destroy the city because of its wickedness. You know, actually, judgment is already set. Judgment is already sent. There's already a hell, and it's prepared for the devil and his angels, but it's also prepared. It's there for people who don't receive Christ. It's there for people who choose to walk their own life. So judgment isn't going to happen here. The city's not going to get wiped out. But judgment is already set in hell. So therefore, God requires us that we go out and we bring the message of hope to people. God desires mercy. He desperately desires people to repent so that they don't end up in judgment. And, uh, and then Jonah in verse 4, it says this, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Man, can you get this guy? It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Man, I mean, Jonah is absolutely ticked off here. So he's gone through all this stuff. He's come in here and he's preached the gospel, and they've got saved, and God's relented, and he hasn't brought the judgment, and now Jonah is ticked off. Jonah is ticked off. Isn't that amazing? But it's because of a heart, a heart issue. You know, when I read the book of Jonah... I've got these seven things about Jonah here, seven, seven godly character, characteristics about Jonah, and here they are. The first one was he was a prophet. He heard God. He heard God. 
Second one, he had a relationship with God. He prayed, he was a man of faith. He prayed, he was a man of faith. He sacrificed to God what they did in those days. It's recorded he gave, he gave thanksgiving to God. It's recorded that he paid God what he had vowed. He knew that salvation was from the Lord. And he knew God's character towards the lost. Because in verse 2 it said, So he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my, my, in my country? Therefore I had fled to Sashis, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. From doing harm. Isn't that amazing? He knew what God's heart was to the lost, but yet he was exceedingly angry that God didn't destroy the city. You know, Jonah in the heart, you, you can know God, you can be prophetic, you can have encounters with God, you can be a man of faith, a woman of faith, but you know what? If you have a belief pattern in your heart that is judgmental towards the lost or that is legalistic and religious, then you will always be thinking and acting the the, the contrary to what God's heart is for the lost. See, God's heart was abundant mercy. God's heart was grace. God's heart was salvation. Jonah's heart was judgment, religious, legalistic, Gentiles. It's like I'm a Christian, but, you know, I've got my salvation, but they're Gentiles or... The, the heathen people, we don't want them saved. This was Jonah's heart. He was judgmental. And yet all those godly characteristics Jonah had, prophet, man of God, man of faith, in his heart, he was judgmental. I wonder where our heart is today. I wonder, where, where's our heart with the lost? Do, do we... And we need to examine our heart. And this is what the last few weeks is really about examine. I mean, examine our heart. Remember John Wondera said, examine your heart. What, what stuff's in your heart? You've actually got to, I got home and thought, have you ever, I got home and thought, Lord, I need to examine my heart. Allow you to shine your light. Because often you don't know what's in your heart. I mean, David prayed, Lord, forgive me of the sins that I'm unaware of. Like, forgive me, I'm not, I'm, I've got some sin. I'm not quite sure what it is, but just forgive me anyway. He, he was unsure of what was in his heart. You know, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all other things. So our heart has the ability to have wrong belief patterns, wrong thought patterns, judgments to other people, and we're not even aware of it until those situations come up. And so we need to examine our heart. How really do we feel about the lost people, our neighbors, do, do we, when we're at work? And, and, and I'm preaching to myself as well. You know, when I'm with workers all the time out in the orchard industry, um, weeks and weeks can go by and I'm not even thinking about them and their lives and their salvation. I've actually got to just kind of shake myself and think actually and see them as people that are lost, see them as people that God loves and wants to reach out to. And we need to do that. When you're at school, you actually need to, to think of the people around you, the ones that you don't like, the ones that you like, that aren't saved, knowing that actually, you know what? Christ loved them and he died for them. Actually, he wants him desperately saved, just like he wanted you desperately saved. You know, the Bible says that Christ died while we're yet sinners. Right in our gunk and our muck and everything like that, Christ died for us. So we need to examine our hearts. Is our heart full of fear? Like we talked about before, is our heart full of, uh, full of rejection? That Actually, I'm, not, I'm just not willing to go there. I'm not prepared to get rejection. I've been hurt too many times. As our hearts full of disappointment. I've tried, I've 
preached with this before and nah, they didn't get saved. That's it. I've had enough. You know, it can be years often before people get saved. You know, this morning, my brother-in-law came to church. Um, when I first got saved back in 93 and I spent a few years with him, we were at working on the orchards and, um, and he wasn't saved then. He wasn't married to my sister then. And I went through tremendous, tremendous um, turmoil and one of the one of the biggest trials of my life with him back in the, in that time, and uh, just with a breakup of a, of, a, of a work situation we had, and then for him to, to turn against me and and I just had no one but God and I remember going to work in tears every day. God, just broken. God had me absolutely broken, and because uh, because of the situation, and then God began to, as I trusted in Him, He began to open up doors and the management for me, but. And so for years, we had, to, we had to walk through that, Sharon, and I had to walk through that. But through the whole lot, I always prayed for him, prayed that God would touch his life. And, you know, two years ago, he got saved. Two years ago, he got saved. And, um, and, I, and, and he, had, well, he had some issues with his church from rumors spread in the 90s from different churches and different people. So he, I did, he, he, he started going to the, the Brethren Church, the Riverbend, and, he, and he, that got too much. And then he went to the Village Baptist, and then he went to the Equippers, and then he went nowhere. And I still felt I'm not going to actually invite him to church. I don't. I just felt not to do it because I wanted it to be him. And on Friday night he rang up and said, "Oh, what time does your church start?" I said, "Quarter ten. He goes, "Oh, I'll come." And you know, actually, you know what um, uh, inspired him to come was actually you saw a picture of Pastor Joy and Pastor Mike in the paper, and it stuck out. And after church, after the service this morning, he said, "Oh, that Pastor Joy. She's a lovely lady. She's a lovely, you know." But God used that. Just all of a sudden, it just it just came out. And he rang up and came. But that's a huge, you know, and, we, and when he got saved and we went around there, he, he, he basically apologized to me for the, the words that he'd spoken against me and the things that he had done. And that was true repentance, you know, how he'd come to, come to this place of actually, you know, you, you know, I won't go into the details, but basically just made up with me. And I, but you know, I was just so full of joy that he was saved. So full of joy that he was saved. And uh, we're just believing for my sister, who's kind of partway there. But uh, my other two sisters are saved. Now my bro- this brother-in-law is saved. We've got one sister to go. It will happen. It will happen. But you need to pray. Actually, that's the other part. You need to- Prayer is huge. You know, in James 5.16, it says, The effective prayer of a fervent man avails much. We need to be praying for our workmates, praying for our schoolmates, praying for everyone, praying that God will break into their lives. God will open a door of opportunity. And that, uh, and and then be prepared to, to share, and be prepared to share. Be just be prepared is key. You know we're responsible for our own heart. We're responsible for what we believe. We're responsible for our own heart. Examine our heart. That's just the word for this church. Examine our heart. God is uh, is apostolically changing us. If that's the word, changing me. Change. I'm sure everyone in here is just going through a huge change and turmoil as you start to think in what you believe, what you believe about yourself, and all that kind of stuff. And God's just shaking the core of it at the moment. But you know, we, we've we've got to have God's heart for the lost. And, I, and this is what I, this is what I want to focus on tonight: is just the lost people, the lost people. This region needs us. It needs everyone. This this region that's saved, they actually be prepared to go out there because you know God's doing a work. You know, I've, I've shared how Sharon's having some impact in Avalon. Well, not just Sharon, her group, her, her woman's group. But you know what? For a 12 to 18 months, 
they prayed and interceded first before they went out. And I've talked to Sergeant about this before. It's key that prayer and intercession precedes a lot of it. And um, they prayed and they prayed for breakthrough. And they prayed things like this, that God would supernaturally touch people without anyone around that were unsaved. That's what they started to pray for. And this lady that um, is a mother at one of the schools, Sharon, we, we kind of knew a few years ago, the, the kids used to hang out. And, um, and then Sharon heard that she'd had a, a bad accident, a very bad accident. She'd fallen off and she'd broken part of her back and she was down in Burwood Spinal Center. And she was back now, you know, and, and was on the mend. So Sharon gave her a ring and just and said, oh, I, just, I heard you'd had this bad accident. I've just been thinking about you. And she said, oh, I'm glad you rung. She said, so this is a lady who's not saved. She said, I'm glad you rung. She said, well, I was, you know, she goes, I had an amazing encounter when I was down in Burwood Spinal Unit. I was lying there, and yet the whole time I was there, I felt the presence of God around me. I, I felt a presence around me, and I heard singing the whole time. You know, this is an unsaved lady who knew Sharon was saved. Sharon reached out, and this is what, so she's hearing angels singing and a presence, and she knew she was going to be all right. She's never been to our church two weeks in a row. And Sharon led her to the Lord at home. Amen. So, so prayer, pr- don't underestimate prayer. Praying for your school friends. Not just, I mean, if you're at school and you're having um, Christian groups, think out. Think others. Pray for others. If you're in your workplace, pray for others. Pray that God would come in an impact and touch their lives.